welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we open in a word of prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to be in our presence as we worship our Lord for all he's done in our lives. So Father God, we're so thankful that we can be here today in your presence. It truly is an honor and a privilege that we don't take lightly. And Father, right now at this moment, we can think of so many wonderful and amazing things that you've done in our lives. And today we want to give back to you by truly worshiping you, loving you, desiring you, calling your name, Father. And so Jesus, in this next two hours, our heart is to serve and to worship our God. And so we give this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. So summon your power, O God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple in Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd and bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may, they be, may the beast bring bars of silver. Scattered, scattered are the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Kenab will submit herself to God. So sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. To him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with a mighty voice, proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary, the God of Israel, who gives power and strength to his people. So we thank you, Lord, this morning that we are proclaiming the awesome greatness and power of our God. Lord, that you move over the nations, Lord, with sovereignty and power and strength. Lord, that your, your kingdom would come, your will would be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Let your strength be known to the nations, Lord, through your people, through your church. Lord, that it be proclaimed, proclaimed to all the nations, Lord, to all the peoples, that they may come to know you and be glad in Jesus' name. You know, maybe you don't feel that that works. Maybe you feel like, I don't have anything to pour out right now. I don't know how I could ever muster that kind of energy to pour something out. And in the natural... You're probably right. In the natural, if you're tired and weak, you worked hard, you don't have much energy left to pour out. You've been fighting with your kids all week. There's not much energy left to pour out. Naturally, that makes sense. But in the spirit, the fact is, it's quite the opposite. See, what happens is, is that there's an abundance in heaven that is never runs out. In fact, and you, if you think that it's smaller, it actually is bigger. It's funny because when, when you read in Scripture about the river flowing from heaven, it gets wider at the top than it is at the bottom. And so maybe right now you're feeling that weak kind of thing, like, I don't know how to pour out praise because it doesn't feel like I have energy, any energy to do so. There's a step of faith that is actually required of you right now to feel what it's like to actually be able to pour it out. And all you really have to do is say, Lord, I don't feel this way. I don't feel like it really. But I'm going to take a step today out of faith and say, hey, I want to praise you. 
And by faith, I'm going to ask for something amazing for you right now. I'm going to say, Lord, I pray as people take this step that you would flood them and fill them with that eternal capacity that only you have but is available for the people of God. So Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we say we pour out praise to you. I pour out my praise to you because you are worthy. I believe where the Lord's trying to bring us, not just now, but as a people, as his people, is to a place where, like men and women throughout history and scripture, came face to face with the living God. See, the thing is, back then, was it was a very rare occurrence that you could actually be in a place like that and just not fall over dead. But now, because of the sacrifice of Jesus and that requirement being fulfilled, and if we were to enter into that, we would realize that we would be able to come to that place that men and women longed for for millennia, that we could come into that daily. And so I think what happens is in our culture is that we kind of wait for moments to be created for us because that's kind of how we live. There's a job that you go to, there's restaurants that you can go to, there's grocery stores that you can pick up your food, and everything is somewhat created for us that we could just function. But God says to us right now is that there's a direct connection between him and me that I can enter into. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I don't have to go, you know, to other places. I can actually make that relationship tangible right in my midst every single day. Like Moses came to the burning bush. Those moments can happen. The problem is sometimes we're unwilling to take the step. So right now, there's something that we can do is I want you to release your heart to the Lord just for a couple of minutes. And I'm not saying like, I just, I mean genuinely release your heart. If there's something burdening you, release it. If there's something you're happy about, start to release it. If there's something that is just there and you know it's bottled up and you're like, I don't know really what to say, just start to release it to Him. Believe me, things start to change when we open ourselves up to the one that can actually change us. So just for a couple of minutes, I just want the band to play a little bit. So if you're like embarrassed to say something out loud, don't be because no one's going to hear you. Just between you and the Lord right now, release your heart. Release your heart. I tell you, if you can take this step today, something's going to change in the future. Father, we thank you right now that the great I am is within each and every one of us in this room. That this morning, God, regardless of where we're at, whatever's going on in our lives, that we can join with the great I am. And, Father, in a blink of an eye, you can change our situations. For those in here, God, that have struggled when they walked in the doors, I believe there are many where those chains have already been broken. And for those that haven't gone there yet, I'm here to tell you this. They can be if you honor the great I am. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the light. And we come to you this morning. We give you glory this morning. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. You are worthy. I want to speak about how desperately God wants to be near you. I want to speak about God coming to the Garden of Eden every day after man had to leave, longing for that day when man could come back into the garden 
and, and God and man could meet face to face and walk again in the cool of the day. Do we even partially comprehend how desperately the heart of God desires the heart of man to be near him? Do we understand how the face of God longs to be near your face? When we fell in love with a woman, when a woman fell in love with a man, we go, we go hundreds of kilometers out of our way hoping for a chance meeting with that person. We stand for hours in a certain place or we go to a certain restaurant or something where we know that person might show up and we sit there waiting and waiting and waiting hoping for a glimpse of that person. Is God less than that? Is the passion of God, is the desire of God, is the hunger of God for man less than that? It must be infinitely more than that. And so tonight, I want to, this morning, I want to say that the love of God, the passion of God, the desire of God for men, for women, for mankind, for human beings is expansive and deep and desperate, far beyond what we know on this earth. And so we say, Lord, draw us into that passion, draw us into that desire, draw us into that Garden of Eden where God and man can have fellowship again. We desire to present ourselves before you, Lord, to know what it is to see you face to face. We say now we see in a light, in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. We long for the then, Lord. We long for the then, Lord. We long for that time where we see you face to face and where you see us face to face. So the great I am is in me and the great I am is in you. And because of that, we are capable of doing these very things. We first must believe in our hearts that that's the God we serve. And so, Father, today we say, yes, we do believe this. Yes, you are the God who can do all these things. Yes, you are the God that can alter our lives in the blink of a second. Yes, you are the God that loves unconditionally, regardless of whatever journey or path we've been on in our life. You choose to forgive us. You choose to love us in the midst of that. And even this morning, I sense there are those in here that carry shame. And God is saying, I don't see it. It's gone. I've let that go at the cross. And so, Father, this morning we come before you and we can honestly say, you are the great I am for so many reasons. We praise your name. Amen. Maybe seated. We have a team of six people that showed up Friday night fairly late. We got to live two days over, which is kind of weird. I think we left China at the same time we got home. So we traveled in time, I guess you could say. But I'm looking around at our team and many heads are kind of like this, hanging over and stuff. So still dealing with jet lag, but you're going to hear from some of them today. We truly miss being at home. We truly miss being with our church. But we definitely know there were many prayers prayed. Uh, I'll say this right off the bat, that uh, this is the first time I've been part of a group where there was really zero problems. I've never experienced that in my life. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, for some of us. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now, my question is, what's then? When is then? That's my real question today, because I've, I feel that that then is now. I, and I know that, it, you know, you might think about it, and you're like, oh, maybe that's for like later. Maybe that just means in heaven that 
one day, yeah, then we'll see face to face. Then we'll have that connection. Then we'll have that relationship. But I don't believe that's what's meant to be. I actually believe that it's meant to be now. I actually believe that there is a connection that is about to be made with you and the Spirit of God that is eternal that you can actually enter into. Now, I know I'm going to talk just for a couple minutes about some things that might like be like outside of the realm of comfort of your brain. That's how I talk. So, <laughs> but believe me when I say this, is that the Spirit of God is always trying to expand and increase something in your life. He's always trying to get you from something that's very natural and bring you into something that is God's realm, which is supernatural. He's trying to get you to see things that when you saw things from a human perspective, so, so to speak, through the mirror darkly, to a perspective where you get to see clearly through his eyes, not your own. That's always God's intention. His intention isn't to leave you in the dark. His intention isn't to leave you in the mud. In fact, if you look through scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right through, his whole purpose is to bring a people from darkness into the light, right? The problem is, is that we feel that that isn't true. We feel that that isn't actually the case. We feel that we're just meant to be left in the darkness. And this whole world, this whole place that we're in, is meant to be garbage. Now, I will say this, is that there's things on the earth that don't mean as much as the things of heaven. Very true. There's things on the earth that aren't as important as things in heaven. Very true. But he isn't meant to, you're not meant to live here without having a connection with God. That's the real point of this. And so when we come here on a Sunday, Wednesday, whatever time you spend with the Lord, it isn't to tease you and to say, hey, guess what? You get to live in the dark for another week. It is to actually show you and to teach ourselves that, hey, no, actually, we can enter the light. We can actually live in the light. That's the point of all of this. To a greater purpose, yes, of course, there's a greater purpose going on. But the initial connection has to be, I believe that I am meant to live in the light and not in the darkness. If you can actually get to that place and say, oh, you know what? I actually believe that. I actually believe that God wants me to live in the light and not in the darkness. All these things that have been a struggle for you, I'm specifically talking about things in worship. It's hard to worship. It's hard for me to, you know, get into the word. It's hard for me to even dwell on, like, God's presence that will start to fade away. The reason that we don't enter and don't stay in those things is this reason. I don't believe I'm allowed to be there. That's, and you know what? I, I'm guilty of that to a certain degree as well. We all see through that mirror dimly right now. But the purpose of what God is trying to reveal in the earth is that we would see clearly. If we can enter into that, that's when things start to change. That's when you see all the that's when you see the great things, the mir- all the things that we pray for that are tremendous from the Spirit of God. Miracles, great, you know, moves of evangelism in the world, great, you know, uh, helps and, and, and things growing. That's where it comes from. It's like when you have a plant, you can't plant a plant in cement. You need soil, you need sun, you need water, you need certain things. This first connection is all those things. If you want to grow, you need those. And so this morning and and throughout this week, I want you to remember this. 
I am not meant to live in the dark place. I'm not meant to live in the silent ages of old where God didn't speak and he didn't show up and he didn't reveal himself to anybody. I'm actually meant to live. I mean, if you lived in a house with your spouse in different wings of a house and never saw each other, something's funny. <laughs> God, I hope, <laughs> hope this hits something. Uh, that's not how it's meant to be. There's a reason they pushed the beds together in the 50s. <laughs> I'll keep it PG. But <laughs> there was an intimacy that God desired. And that's what we're meant to have. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't think for a second that God doesn't want to be intimate with you. He really wants to be. So I want to encourage you with that this morning as you remember, okay, don't feel like I deserve this. It's not true. God's bringing you into something much fuller and much greater. And you want to know something like Derek alluded to, or actually said outrightly, God desires it more than you do. Think about that. God desires that relationship more than you do. More than I do. As much as I want that, as much as I want to be in that, he desires it more. And so as, as willing as you are to enter into that relationship, God's already there waiting. All right. I have to springboard. So I just speak over this body that believers would rise, that believers that actually know who Jesus is, that Jesus came and Jesus died for you. It's, it's been said again and again and again. You've heard, I've, yeah, Jesus died for me. Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus of all eternity. Jesus who laid the foundation of the world. Jesus who was before time. He came and became like us and died so that we would know him. So that we would live. So that we'd be, be alive. That we would live lives of light and glory and amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, be able to just actually have this amazing journey with him. Jesus came to break the power of death and my whole life I battled with the just that terrible fear of death terrible fear of death and Jesus said in, in Hebrews 2 he says I came that you might not have that that fear anymore that it would be gone from you that you would not be like controlled by that fear but that you would be free that my people would be free so God even right now I ask for your anointing for us to believe for us to actually believe what is true for us to actually believe who you are God, I pray that this anointing would come on us, that we would know that you are the great I am, that you are the one who's come to save us and set our lives free. This is who you are. We're not just serving some far off God that we can't relate to. You have made a way. And so God, I'm asking by your mercy, by your mercy and your grace today, that you would set it in our hearts. Set truth in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, set truth in my heart, in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, it's the thing I pray over this body more than anything else. I cry out way more than for this body, but especially for here, that we would know our God, that we would actually know him because we would live different if we knew him. I would live different if I really knew him. I would live completely different. So God, we just ask, even right now, would you, would you, would you, would you, would you come and pour in belief, pour in faith into us at this very moment i'm asking i'm asking am i even begging oh god 
for everyone in this building and in the, even the surrounding region to know that there is a God who is personal, who wants a connection, who can live inside of us and change everything. Last night through the night, um, I saw a, uh, these little buds, and I'd never seen it like this before, but we talk a lot here about planting seeds and doing a lot of, like, a lot of planting all around. And, oh, we're putting a seed in the ground. We're putting a seed in the ground. We're putting a seed in the ground. But last night it was so clear. They've come up. They've actually come up. They've actually come up. And they were little, but they were plump. And the leaves were thick almost. It was like this. It was about this big off the ground. But the soil around was very fertile and very dark and very, very rich. And I believe this is a time where we've said where, um, I think in what says Paul, I think he said, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and the Lord gave an increase. And I speak increase into you today. I speak increase into you of knowing God. I speak increase into your dreams, into your vision, into what's about to come, what is yet to come. I speak increase into you, into the work of your hands, into the work of your hands. I speak increase right now because God, God, it says, Paul's like, who am I? Who is Apollos? But God will give the increase. There is an increase. Just declare it over your body right now, over your mind, over your household. There is an increase, an increase, an increase, an increase because God, God, God makes the increase. And as we honor him, as we honor him, he makes a way and he makes an increase for us. I just want to give a quick... um, Anita has been carrying some vision in her heart for children, and she's been crying out to the Lord for years. Ever since I've known her, she's always cried out for the next generation. But just recently, God gave her a vision of something that we're going to actually unfold as the weeks come here. But about things about that God wants to release in our kids about dreams and visions and them actually contributing to the family. And so she starts delivering this. Well, barely after she tells me her vision, all of a sudden... A lady from the city comes to me from Edmonton. She says, would you serve on a board for children so that we can come and start to make things happen and start to teach them about the supernatural and start to teach them about the prophetic? Seemingly out of the blue, but because I believe because Anita stewarded that prayer and that thing, all of a sudden a door opens for me. All of a sudden, a door opens for you. All of a sudden, this church becomes part of what God's doing in the city and the surrounding regions over children. Because God starts to open a door as we just step in just a little bit. Just a little bit. So God is on the move. And I just want to speak that into this place. God is on the move. And things that you've waited so long for and given up on, no, do not give up. There is, there is a plant coming up. <laughs> There's a plant coming up. And that seed's been planted a long time. But the plant is above the ground. And it's going to grow. So bless you. Well, I don't know if we need to do anything else. That's a lot. It's good. You know, I'm just thinking about all this and how even in our daily journeys, how we choose to walk in the dark. One bad thing happens to us, and boom, we're knocked off, and we walk in the dark. And I just thought of Elijah, right? 
thought of Elijah who can have this mountaintop experience, you know, and then all of a sudden he hears Jezebel's chasing him, and what does he do? He goes and he hides in a cave. What's God say to him? What are you doing? <laughs> and I think a lot of the times that's what God's saying to us. What are you doing? Don't you know? You do know. We all know that we are not meant to walk in the dark, but we are meant to walk in the light. Well, we have a team that went to a place that is fairly dark, but yet there is still light there. And so we want to share with you about that place today. So I would like the team to come up. And I know sometimes when we see these things and hear these stories, we can be disconnected because we weren't there. But let me tell you something. We intercede and we pray a lot in this church. Well, this is a nation of 90% Buddhism, probably a percentage of Hinduism, and a 4% rate of Christianity. So when we're praying and interceding, we need to be aware of what is going on in the nations around the world. Well, here's a nation that is in the dark. And God's heart for them is that they would no longer be in the dark. But there is hope because Christianity is starting to move in the nation of Cambodia. All right, so we're going to let these guys each take a few minutes and just share just a little bit about their time there, what God spoke to them about, and maybe a few of the things that really stood out for them on their journey. And so let's start with Amanda. Cambodia is interesting, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, so starting off at the killing fields was kind of rough, <laughs> emotionally, because we're all tired, and then we go there. But the biggest thing there was it was just, there's a lot of sadness. Um, like the land itself remembered and held on to the sadness. And, but at the same time, it doesn't feel depressing. The country itself didn't feel depressing. It was like there was this tiny little spark that had just held on, and it was ready to burst into flame. And um, I think, though, for me, the most impacting thing was listening to the pastors tell their stories. With all the things that they've been through, and oftentimes being the only Christian in an entire area and staying faithful when they could have just so easily given up. I think for me that was the most impactful thing to have done or heard. I don't have anything to compare Cambodia to since this was my first time overseas. But um, I thought it was a very beautiful country. Spiritually wise, it was interesting looking at the history because this is a place where lots, gods and demons have been battling here for there for a very long time. There's been wars between the Muslims and Hindus and then went to the Hindus versus the Buddhists and they're now trying to get along, but it's like, eh. And it's kind of like God is now establishing his victory in Cambodia. And probably most impactful for me was um, corporate worship. When we had a... How long was that drive? Six, ten hours? Ten hour drive 
to get to Mondulkiri, which was a mountain province. The one by Vietnam. And we were in there with a group of a bunch of other Cambodians, a bunch of Cambodians. And um, the pastor, Chin Ho, who was talking at the very beginning of the video, he asked that we all start singing together. And so we're all singing these songs, and sometimes we'd actually be singing them in Khmer and English at the same time. And it was just really cool being able to worship together, even though we had that language barrier. And that probably went on for uh, <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> she has some other things to tell you. She just needs a little help, because she's going to tell you about some of the things she conquered there. Because I would say Nicole overcame a few things in Cambodia that she needs to share about. So touch on that. Um, the one I remember the most is I am I hate heights. I really, really hate heights. I would panic on about going on a Ferris wheel. I hate heights so much. When we get to Angkor Wat, there's these stairs to get to the top of the temple. There's something like this and they go very high up. And going up wasn't too much of a problem. It was going down. And I made it all the way down, not comfortably, but not panicking, so yay! Um, the, the other one I remember the most is going up to the Great Wall of China. It takes too long to hike, so we took a ski lift where it would come so fast, you kind of had to jump to sit on, have the bar slam down in front of you, and then go straight up for quite a while, and then jump off at the end. I didn't panic on that either, so... <laughs> Same thing with the slide. I remember being on the ski lift, looking down at the slide and going, no, but we did it. And that went well, and... I'll say the other thing about Nicole, just as an observer at times, I watched her as she was sharing in the schools and with the kids, and her first day there was quite entertaining. Uh, she actually was sharing with me, and when I first called her to share, I didn't notice, but she had this big blue donut shoved in her mouth, and so she felt quite awkward, obviously. And I'm like, well, eat the donut, and hurry up and get in here, and I think it kind of threw her off. And when she came in, she started speaking the first day mostly like this. And she would stare at the ground and often at the wall sometimes and then back at the ground. And so one of the things that I saw her overcome was just even her fear of speaking in public settings. And I would say by the second day, we were watching her share and speak. And I didn't see that same fear. In fact, she started even leading in songs and stuff with the bigger groups. And so it was so neat to see Nicole actually walk through some things that uh, she truly had a fear of. And it even started before we left with her needles because she has high anxiety when it comes to needles and stuff and it's something she actually turns and she runs away from but we told her that's not an option so you need to go get the needles and it was the first time in your life that, I remember. that she went and got needles and there was zero anxiety and it happened so naturally she said I didn't even feel a thing so that was pretty cool so I'll say this Nicole did an amazing job uh, she stepped it up big time in, in just what she was able to carry, and we were really proud of her. Andrew.
Um, for me, I, um, I'll share about two things. The first was actually just something that um, I guess I, I realized at the Kelling Fields because the church in Cambodia has, it's just gone through such a, a tumultuous journey and um, just over the last hundred years, there's been so much persecution, so many disappointments, you know, periods of very slow growth and lots of hard work, and then, you know, a few times where there's been revival, and then in uh, 1975 through 1979, the church was basically wiped out completely. And, um, and so, you know, and then going to the killing fields where we learn about a lot of the atrocities that happened under the Khmer Rouge, I was just like, God, why? You know, why are you, why did you let this happen, you know? And, and really what, you know, what is your purpose for the Cambodian church? And, and you know, I, I still can't really answer that question, but, um, but just something that I, I realized just God allowed a lot of evil to happen in Cambodia. And, and I realized that we as, you know, as men and women, we're actually given a lot of power. And we can use that power for evil, and God will let us use that power for evil. But if we submit ourselves to God and, you know, surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, we can be used for great good and for great glory, and I think far more good than, than we, you know, could do evil in our own strength. And so that was just an encouragement to me and just, you know, encouragement, again, to just submit myself to God and, you know, use my life for His glory. Uh, the other thing which was probably the most impacting uh, thing, not, not a thing, but actually a person, was uh, this guy, Bara. And I, uh, I actually wrote a bit about him in my journal, so I'm just going to read uh, what I wrote. So Bra is a Cambodian who God took off the streets, and he's about my age, or, well, a little, little older than me. He has a big heart and is passionate about his faith. We spent a lot of time with him. He was basically our guide as we traveled around Cambodia. And after a couple days, he was really like a brother to me. And, you know, he was happy to answer our questions, and he even helped me through some, I think, some mild culture shock or whatever. And, and, and he's just full of life, and, uh, and we really had a lot of fun with him. Uh, and then during the last evening when we were there, Barat took us to his house, and his house is really a, a single room, 15 by 20 feet approximately, and so he, he really lives in humble circumstances, and that's by choice because he wants to be a ministry to his community. And so while we were there that evening, uh, a bunch of his neighbors came over. Uh, there were several women from his community. He Bra has an open door policy, so people can just come in. He even let, gives his neighbors his keys, which is, to me, a little crazy. But, um, <laughs> you know, and so they can come in, you know, and, and just talk with him about their problems or, or eat his food or whatever. And, um, and it, was, it was interesting because, you know, some of these women were new believers. Some of them were unbelievers, and, and they were just facing persecution at home actually, with their, their husbands because their husbands didn't like their faith. And so it was just really neat. We were able to, uh, to minister to them and, uh, and encourage them. And, and one of them even said that, um, you know, she decided she was going to stick with her husband 
um, even though you know he had really abused her. And and so Vera was just an inspiration to me, and and I just I just really have great admiration for him and want to be want to be like that. Want to be a light to my community. Want to be a safe you know a safe place for you know my neighbors or you know people in my life to be able to share things and work through stuff and and uh, and just you know have friendship. So. So this guy actually preached a full message in Cambodia. Isn't that awesome? And he did good. Totally impressed. It was really, really good. We were really excited for him. Uh, Tiffany isn't here right now. But uh, let me tell you something. I think this entire group just loved having Tiffany along for the journey. Tiffany is kind of like our joy bunny. Uh, you just need to look at Tiffany, and normally she's going to make you smile. She's normally carrying one of her teddy bears around and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Tiffany was really neat because I just watched her throughout the trip. And uh, Tiffany is amazing with the kids. She's so good at the dramatic stuff and whatnot. Uh, she just did such an amazing job when it came to the songs, which the rest of the group did such a good job too. But Tiffy has this dramatic ability to just be crazy in that mode. And uh, she brought a lot of life through her acting and through her singing and just through her desire to care and love kids. And she truly does have a gift in that area. And she probably had her highlight moment, I think, our second to last day or so at one of the schools. Uh, these guys shared a uh, live action story of David and Goliath. And then uh, Tiffany shared her uh, testimony afterwards. And she hadn't shared her testimony up to that point. And there were some reasons behind that. But let me just say this. When she shared her testimony that day, this is something you should ask her about. It was one of the most powerful experiences I had while I was in Cambodia because I heard her start to speak from her heart of who God was to her. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. So definitely one of my highlights. I want Tareen to share. Tareen's going to share probably a little bit more about what Andrew shared and some other things that I can't share uh, but before I have her share, where's Jimmy? Right there. All right, I'm going to try to say this with a straight face. Jimmy, we want to honor you and say thank you for sending your wife on this trip. This could not have happened without her. And uh, so as a brother to a brother, I say to you, thank you. And uh, you doing that uh, really speaks volumes to me. And so I just bless you for releasing her to come and do that. So let's just give this guy a hand because. <laughs> Mom's in Cambodia. Dad gets called out to work and everything goes. I don't know where it went. They can tell you all about that. But anyways, thank you. It went pretty well. We survived. Jimmy and I actually both got back on the same day. But he got back a little earlier from night shift, and I got back late from 13 hours ahead. So we feel so good right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to tell you guys some stories I think you'll like a lot. Hopefully I tell them well. But before I do, I just wanted to say a few things about each of you guys. Um, I would say these guys were kind of thrown into stuff they weren't ready for because we weren't sure of all the details of what we were doing who we're going to be with, 
what was they expected of us, you know? They just brought us out there and they were like, go. We're like, go what? <laughs> They're like, you have these hundreds of kids for three sessions of 45 minutes. We're like, okay. So we're like, we need 10 minutes. <laughs> we run into the back room and I'm like, here's what we're gonna do. And these guys were just like, okay. And they took it and ran. And so I would have to say, we really dished off a lot of responsibility on Andrew right away the beginning, uh, we're like, Andrew, lead worship, Andrew, speak at church, Andrew, do this, and he was just like, okay, 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 I could see, like, moments of a twitch in his face where he was like, I'm gonna freak out right now, but okay, but he did it, and he did so, so well, and everyone there just saw so much life in him, like, the, the guys we were working with, they're like, you're such a missionary in the making, you could live here, you could do this, so I really just, it was really awesome to see, and uh, for Amanda, I think, the greatest gift that I saw that Amanda gave us was her time. She's an introvert. Anyone here an introvert? So Amanda spent like the whole time with us. There was one evening where she like went like 10 minutes to bed earlier than us, but she gave us her whole time. And that was such a gift to me. She was all in. She loved to be with us. I think she even had fun. And... Uh, she, and, and she just did everything that we asked of her. And, you know, we talk about things later. How'd that go? And just so receptive and so willing to just do whatever and really push herself and stretch herself in terms of the social craziness. Um, and, yeah, Nicole, it was really cool to see every single day. I know for sure every single day she had to step past something. And she can't hide it very well, so I caught it on camera a lot. And I showed her, and she'd be like, oh, I look crazy in that picture. I'm like, yeah, you were having a moment in that picture. You didn't want to do that thing, remember? So, but she did it. And so I would say for Nicole, her initial thought would be no, and it always ended in yes. So she would be like, no, okay, yes. And so every day, though, like, I made her eat a cricket. I'm so happy about that. I, I started by just telling her to put it on her tongue for a picture. I was like, put it on your tongue. We'll take a picture. So we all took a picture. And then she says, well, now that it's on my tongue, I'm just going to eat it. <laughs> it was awesome. I think she regretted it, but it was really awesome. So, yeah. And I just felt, like, so honored to be with these guys, to be with Tiffany, too. Just these guys are just so willing to have a relationship, do what they're told, I don't know, talk about it, everything. So I felt really honored. I felt really honored to be with Chris. And I'll tell you why I want to tell a story about Chris. Um, because I think a lot of you guys, you see Chris here on a Sunday, you don't really see him in action out in the field. And uh, yeah, so I just want to, is that okay? If I just tell the story, is it going to be too long? I think it's good. You guys want to hear it. So um, one of the days, somewhere in between then and now, we went out to a, a minority village. So that means it's a village where there's like tribal Cambodians that speak a different language of Khmer. So the dialect is different. So even our translator, Bra, he didn't understand all the language. So we were going out there to see the pastor who was an only Christian there for a long time. Um, and he was going to take us down around to some houses, to some kids. And we knew we'd probably play games with kids. We'd give them this little treat bag that we brought full of junk food. And uh, just hang out with kids is what we thought. So when we showed up there, uh, the pastor came and spoke to Bra and said he wanted a couple of us to come with him to a home of a woman and uh, a man actually, husband and wife, who had a son who was 
in trouble. So we, Chris and I knew right away it was kind of a, a heavier moment in the van. We're like, okay. And Chris just started preparing himself right away. I could see him start praying immediately. And so we knew these guys were going to stay with the kids and do games and everything we've been doing the whole time. And I didn't know if I was going to go, but uh, it turned out all the pastors from the village, the pastor that we met with, Bra, Chris, and I. So I was the only woman, but it was okay. Uh, so they invited us to go. We went up into this little hut home, like it's up high on stilts, you know, into this one, two-bedroom place. And the problem was there's, they had a 17-year-old son uh, who was tormented by demons. So they actually chained him in his house by his foot. And it was because he kept taking off and running away and hurting people and disappearing. So they knew he started acting out at a Bible study, and they knew right away it was demons. That's a big difference in Cambodia. They know right away that it's like a spiritual thing. It's not like a health issue. So they weren't like, let's go to a doctor and medicate it. They just chained him up and said it's demons. So we walk in, and this boy, this is like Kaylin's age, is chained by the foot. And, I mean, I know Chris and I immediately, like, he has such a sweet countenance on him. He was such a sweetheart, this kid. But he would have moments of, like, torment. And so uh, we were just kind of following the lead of the pastors. The, the language barrier was so much that they were speaking to the pastor who would speak in Khmer to Barah, who would tell us in English. Okay, so it was like a long process of figuring out what, what was going on. There was a lot of times where they were just talking and we were just not knowing what was being said, but just praying. And so we, we sat in there for quite a long time. And the boy right away was very scared of Chris. He took one look at him, and he said, I'm scared of you. You're huge. You're tall. You're so big. I'm so scared of you. And, um, but he wasn't sh shaking or anything. He was just like, don't come near me. I'm really scared of you. And it was definitely him talking. Um, and so Chris just sat down. We started praying. And the pastor's talking with him, and it's have, we're having a conversation, and his parents are saying he's actually really good around people. It's when it, everyone leaves that he, he gets really worked up, and he's just tormented by demons, honestly. So we saw blurbs of it, but he became more himself as we were there. So within about five minutes, the boy, like he was naked. He was in a towel, just a towel and a chain. And then he asked if we'd pray for him. So, of course, the pastors start gathering around and laying their hands on him. So we're like, okay, because, you know, we're not even sure if that's okay with this group of people. We're just doing what they do. So Chris comes up close, and this boy just grabs Chris's hand right away, like full-on tight grip. And Chris comes right up close, and this boy just grabs his hand and is, like, so tight and strong and, like, shaking. And then all of a sudden, he just goes limp like a baby curls up in the fetal position at Chris's feet and just lays there completely relaxed. And Chris is praying. We're all praying for him in our own languages. And this kid just wouldn't let go of Chris. Like he's just so holding him so tight. And so it was a very long time of prayer and just hanging out with him, which is like basically cuddling up next to Chris and Barah. And um, I just felt it was so crazy just to watch how that all worked. I felt like I learned so much about the ministry of those people and how God works in that kind of family. But just to see Chris's heart, like he was so broken in that moment. 
And I think it really hit home for him because his son is the same age. And um, we just wanted God to free this kid. Like, at first, you're like, just take the chains off. But his parents were like, it's not safe. Like, they, they love him. They want to keep him safe. So you start to understand why, you know. It just looks so raw. And I'm thinking, like, you guys, like, how many times has Jenna danced, like, break these chains? And I'm just like, this kid is actually chained. Like, it's really actually chained, you know? It's not like, I feel like I can't dance. It's like, no, I actually can't leave my house. I go to the bathroom in the corner because I'm chained. <laughs> so uh, it was just very incredible to watch this. After the first time we prayed, he got up and he put a shirt on, like a collared shirt, and straightened out. He, he had, like, wrapped, really weird wraps around him to keep the curses away because these people believe they're, like, cursed. And so he started ripping off these wraps, and he couldn't get them off. And so the pastor had to help. It was a lot of work. It took, like, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get these wraps off because he wanted them off. And then he took off all these chains, and he had drawn all over himself, and he was rubbing it off. Like, see, so just totally a transformation. Stood up, put clothes on, started talking. He wanted to sing songs with us, like um, secular Kumai pop songs. So we didn't know them, but <laughs> Barah did, and Barah sang with him. And it was just such an amazing moment. And so then he just asked him again, pray, pray for me again, pray for me again. And then he just comes right back up to Chris and just holds on to him and is like so close to him. So it was just so amazing to see how right away he was like, white, tall white man, I'm scared of you, don't come near me, pastor. And then like two minutes later he's like, actually, can I just be your best friend and pray for me? So um, yeah, I just stood in the corner and basically cried the whole time. I was like not functioning on that level at all. But it was very amazing for me, and, and just like Andrew said, this guy Bra that we were with, he, he taught us a lot about his heart for his people and, and how to be a brother. So, yeah, I think um, one last thing I just want to tell you guys, I've been so patient. Um, when we were at Bra's house, these three women, four actually, but three specifically more than the other, um, I talked with them quite a bit, and it's very hard for anyone here, has anyone ever talked with a translator? It's so awkward. You have no flow. You're like and talking like a machine, and then you wait. And then you're like, and then I did this. And then this happened. And then this happened. Like, it's so hard to get the flow. So I decided I was just going to quit, like, waiting for Barah. I had to just keep talking, and, and he, he did really well translating. So... I really connected with these ladies, and honestly, people uh, are everything for me. Relationship is the hardest. So I've never been on short-term missions, and it was insanely hard for me to go and meet people, be a part of their life for like five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, and then say, see you later. So I felt like my heart was breaking the whole time. And so I was connecting with these women, and we are having a really good moment, and Barah said it was, like, amazing. It's exactly what they need to hear. Because he's walking with them. He's basically their pastor. And he's saying, like, this is, you know, where they're at. And, and I said, like, I can't just walk away from them. This is crazy. And so I spent the whole night. Chris was up that night, too, because it was just a crazy night. It was very powerful. But I was up all night, like, basically laying there crying, just like, why do I love them so much? <laughs> I'd rather not care, you know, like, this kind of prayer. Anyway, so this morning, I, Jimmy goes off to soccer, and Barah Facebook messages me, and he says, the ladies are here for Bible study. Can we FaceTime? And I'm like, yeah. So we FaceTime this morning, 
And they're all like so happy to see me. And so we had this a long conversation. We talked together. We prayed together. We shared verses together. They prayed for me. I prayed for them. And they're like so excited that we could see each other still. It's crazy to just see them on the screen and stay connected. And so when I'm saying goodbye, I'm like, bye. And they're like, see you tomorrow. We're going to call tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I feel like that's such a gift for me. I mean, I've never been a Facebook lover at all. And I, I almost actually wanted to go off Facebook before I left. But now I'm like, oh, this is a treasure for me because it's a lifeline to these people that I connected with. And so even the girls, the university students you saw in some of the videos that we were with, they are texting me constantly. They never stop. And they want to know all the songs we sang. And they're trying to learn them in English. And just so it's been so good for me. I feel like that was a gift from God because it's so hard for me to leave and not talk to people again. So, yeah, that was, that's probably the highlight is just the people and the fact that I can stay connected. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think we sang every 70s and 80s Christian song there was on that bus ride. Yeah, no, I swear, I went back to when I first got saved. I'm like, we didn't remember the words, but we, we found them, and we sang them, and we sang them again and again and again and again and again. So it was pretty fun, right? Yes, it was. Uh, I'll say this about Shereen. Uh, she got a nickname while she was there, and uh, her nickname was what? Mama. Her nickname was Mama, right? Which was perfectly fitting for Shereen because she was the mom of the trip, right? For us and for the Cambodians. Uh, they loved her, and uh, they could just sense her genuine heart for each of them, and she truly wanted to listen to their stories, which was powerful, and then she truly wanted to pour into them, and that's obviously, obviously why they're FaceTiming her right now and stuff like that, which is so good. Uh, I just want to say this first, trying not to get emotional. We should be so proud of these guys, so proud of these guys. I have been on a lot of trips but I've never been on a trip where I did not have any complaining, whining, fighting, nothing. Nothing. And the conditions these guys were put in at times, like they flat out told us. They said, you're going to go out to this nice little school and we'll pick you up tomorrow. All right, what's that mean? Why are you going to stay at the school and all that stuff? You'll figure it out. And when we got to the school, we realized there pretty much wasn't nothing at the school and that we were going to be sleeping on the floors at the school and it's plus 40 degrees, and it's intense. When we walked into that setting, it was just like, how long are we here for? You know, we were there for two full days because we didn't leave late till the next night. And uh, it was kind of funny because we came back, and I started talking to Darren. He actually is one of the head guys, and he said, I'm blown away by your team. Is 95% of the people tapped out. Couldn't do it. And we wanted them to experience the life of what a Cambodian goes through every day. That's it. I mean, we all slept maybe, what, two hours? It was so hard to sleep. I mean, there's so many conditions. Everybody's scared of the bugs, malaria, this, that, and the other. And just the flat-out heat was just absolutely brutal. And nobody wanted to go to the bathroom. So, I mean, it was just, it was just an absolute gong show. But in the end, I did not see any of these guys have bad attitudes, bad hearts, it was almost like, yes, we did it. We sucked it up. We're better than the Americans, right? <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And it almost set the tone because, I mean, these guys somehow made a decision that we're just not going to whine and complain. We're just going to do what we're asked. 
And so as a leader, I know Treen feels the same way. It was just an honor and a privilege to walk with them. And I want this to be a testimony to this church that these, these people right here, they did one thing. They said yes. That's it. They said yes. So simple people, simple people who say yes, God uses them in situations that will blow your mind. And so my challenge to you is the body of Christ. Don't look at yourself as that simple, I can't do nothing. You can do anything because God is your God. And when we start to really believe this and tap into this, we're truly going to see the world change. I just want to say a little bit about Cambodia. Is one of the things we learned about the nation is this. Is I think the nation of Cambodia right now is 4% Christian, right? Or less. But that's on the rise. In fact, right now, the Christian movement in Cambodia is probably is at the hottest it's ever been. And the way it's rolling right now in Cambodia is ground zero, man. Ground zero. I saw it. I saw it in a big wheel. It's the plowing wheel. And that wheel that is plowing the ground is literally starting to raise up new pastors, just saved, planting churches. And who are they evangelizing? The little ones. It's all the kids. It's all the kids. They're going after all the kids because they know in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years, they're going to see a new generation of Cambodian leaders, and you're going to see a nation changed. Crazy thing is, as we were looking at some of the facts, North America, church right now is at 7%. That's North America, Canada, U.S. Canada, 4%. Is it 4 or is it 3? might have been 3 but we got talking about this, that Cambodia right now is about to pass the nation of Canada. That's pretty sad. It's a sad thing when you hear that. And I started to pray into that. And you can take this how you want, but this is something I believe in. It is a challenge to our body because this is a challenge to me personally. Because I'm a wrecked man coming home from this trip in many ways. Many. That experience... That's real Christianity. We're not seeing that anymore. We're not seeing it for a reason. But let me tell you something. I see it. That wheel here in North America, we did that grinding work. I mean, we did that evangelism. We did the street ministry. We did it. We did it. We did it. This church, you know, you talk down, talk to the founders of the church. It was built on evangelism and the prophetic and that. But evangelism was huge in this church massive. They witnessed to this entire community, and this church started to fill. So did all the other ones, right? They did the hard work. They did the plowing, and all of a sudden, we saw the fruits, and this church for many years saw the fruits of their work. I mean, this church, I remember when Pastor Keith Gagne was in here, 500-plus people. Evening service, I mean, you had to come early, otherwise you didn't get a seat. Just the way it went, two full services, and we started to really run with the momentum of what had happened, but I almost see us up here. That momentum has stopped. And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's time to go back to work. And as the church, are we willing to plow? Are we willing to go be with the kids? Are we willing to walk with our neighbors? Are we willing to walk with those kids that are in those dark places? I'm just going to add to that. So I got home and went to Gabe's soccer game yesterday. Jimmy and I are walking, and there's a lady on the edge of the road, like, digging in her purse, looking for keys. And 
from far away, Jimmy and I knew right away she was having a meltdown. And she started crying, like really crying. And she's digging and looking and crying and like sobbing and wiping her eyes. And so I'm like, okay, let me go see if she needs help. So Jimmy just walks away and I walk towards her. He knows. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, hey, do you need anything? And she's like, <gasps> no, I'm fine. And I'm just like, no, you're not. <laughs> And she's sobbing, and I said, did you lose your keys? And she's like, that's not even the half of it. I can't even tell you. I'm fine, but don't even talk to me. I'm fine. Just go away. Like, crying so hard. And I want to be like, lady, you are not fine. You're bawling your eyes out, and everyone's staring at you. But she got to the point where she was like, no, really, I'm good. I have help coming. I'm fine. That she was like, go away. Like, rudely pushing me away. So I was like, okay. I said, I'm just going to be up there if you change your mind, if you need me. And honestly, it turned into more of a gong show. She melted down and made a huge scene. Everyone was staring and watching. And I, I think she hurt her foot, too, and lost her keys. But anyway, um, what I was thinking was, oh, my goodness, that is us. That is our culture. We don't need anything. We're melting down and crying, but we're fine. In Cambodia, you go to them and you say, you need Jesus. And they're like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And here we say, you need Jesus. And they're like, no, we don't. We're fine. We're fine. But it was like such an obvious picture of our culture yesterday at soccer. Where I was just like, you're not fine. And Chris and I just grasped that heart that for the people, all the Buddhists, everyone we had interactions. They're so receptive to Jesus. And I feel like it's probably similar like that in, in South America where people have just had like crazy things happen. They've been so desperate. They want Jesus. Here in our culture, we don't. And so I would challenge you guys, your own hearts, there's so many places we don't think we need God, but if you want to walk out and actually tell people about Jesus and have them receive him, the hearts have to change. We have to look in the mirror and realize, like, we're bawling our eyes out and making a scene and we don't even know it. So all this to say... Uh I think God gave me a picture in Cambodia of what's about to happen in our nation. Right? I believe it. You know, when I was in Uganda, I remember Marilyn Skinner one time told us, this is going to have to happen in North America before they wake up. Me and Jen looked at her and said, no, it's not. Yes, it is. We live in a secular nation, and it's becoming more and more secular day by day. The time for the church to rise up is now. We don't have an option anymore. We don't get to keep this to ourselves. It was never meant to be kept to ourselves. The season is now to break past our fears, our insecurities, all those things that stop us. It's now. And I can't live with myself if I don't do that because it's God's heart. And I know that. So, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that as a body here in Spruce Grove, you have a purpose and a plan for us as a body, but you have a purpose and a plan for this city and for this nation. And we declare that what that plan is will come forth in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father God, we will yield to that plan even if it looks different than what we want. What we want is Jesus Christ to reign in this city. What we want is hearts and souls saved. What we want is as the people of Christ, we want to be awake ourselves where our faith is real and alive and moving 
every single day. Father, we want to do greater things than you did. The requirement for that is we're going to have to get out of this box. And we are going to see it. So God, give us the faith to trust. Give us the faith to speak. Give us the faith to believe that this is truly the journey we are on. And most of all, God, I say we trust you. And we're willing to go with you. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you guys to join with us. I'm going to ask Tareen just to pray for the nation of Cambodia, uh, whatever's on her heart. Let me tell you again, we pray a lot on Wednesday and other nights, and we're praying for the nations. Man, it's bad, right? This Buddhist stuff, I mean, this Hindu stuff. Here it's this secular stuff. I mean, there's a lot to pray into, right? That not one should perish, <laughs> right? You really got to think about this, that not one should perish. That means the body needs to be active here. We need to be moving. And so my heart is broken, not just for those nations, but for my own nation, because I see it. And I know you guys see it too. So I don't know, Trine, whatever you want to pray here. All right, Father, we come before you. And we just ask that you would expand our hearts today in this moment here beyond ourselves and beyond our own family. And I ask that you would extend it beyond even this nation, that we would grab a heart for other nations, Lord, that we would see them through your eyes. And Lord, I ask specifically for Cambodia that you would shine a light, that you would cause it to grow that you would bring life back where there was death. You would bring beauty for all those ashes. I pray for the land itself, that it would come alive, and that it would be broken from the curse, that it's under God, that it would flourish again, and that it would provide the needs for the people. I pray for the people of Cambodia, God. I pray that you could show us something about your own heart for them. And Lord, I, I think that they, they could teach us something about their desperation for something better. And so I ask that you would help us grab hold of what that looks like, that we are a desperate people for something better. Even if we don't live in poverty or we're not hungry and our kids aren't chained in our house, that we do have kids that are chained here. And so, Lord, I ask you to put, place that upon us today, that there is something better, and it is you. And it is such good news. It is such good news. Thank you, God, for your heart for the nations. Thank you that you see every single person and that you stay with them even when we leave, that you stay with them and you walk with them hand in hand, that you will never leave them you will never forget them. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your promises. I ask that you would bless us today. Help us to not forget. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I'll just quickly close this morning. That's so rich. Wow, I feel like it ties into bless you guys. Man, you spoke so well, all of you, in, um, in Montreal this last week. Uh, Many nations met together, and a lot, a few from our church even were there. 
and they talked about Canada being restored to our destiny as carrying, being a womb for nations to come and a place where healing of the nations would flow out. That is actually our destiny. So what you guys were walking in is who we're called to be, to actually extend our heart out and to actually bring healing and to bring a word and to bring a sound and to sing a song over or whatever, those 10 hours in the van. <laughs> that time, that's significant. It means something. But I also say to those of you that were here, that yesterday came, there was actually, I don't know if, Mel, you knew that there was about 30 of us that met here on the grounds and just walked all over here and, and spoke the word of the Lord. And, and then I saw um, my beautiful Wendy friend who sees things that I would never see to do, but we're all meant to carry different things. And she grabbed some people and took them into her home and hosted them for the day, people that, you know, just allowed her heart to be opened. And then knowing Kathy was at the grounds at Jubilee, just doing her, doing painting and, and making an influence with different people. And all of us, whatever we're doing, people having other people over, and even Chris and Jen knowing that, oh, we're tired, but like 30 people come over to their place for Canada Day. You know, just they, they carry that open, open door. And so this is the kind of thing, all of us who just, oh, well, Cambodia, that's where we make a difference. You, just by what you're living out right in your home, in the streets, in your work, wherever you are, you are a light. And you do make a difference and you do carry him. So I bless you. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. I pray peace over this, peace over this region, <laughs> peace. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And uh, I feel like you will all go through this week and all of a sudden go like, oh, wow, I had a boldness I didn't have before. Oh, wow, I spoke into that and I didn't even, I wouldn't have done that before. There's something new that God is doing. Hearts are open. People do, I know, I hear what you're saying, Tarina, about that thing that happened yesterday, but I know that hearts are open and people are starting to melt down and say, I do need, I do need somebody. And you be there. Just show up. Keep showing up. Keep doing it. Keep coming back. And God will bless you. So, Lord, we just thank you. You are an amazing king. And we just honor you. We honor you with our lives. And we are just so privileged. Wow. And I just see open doors all over the place. And we're just going to walk through them. And we don't have to try to drum something up. We're just going to walk through them and watch you perform what you do and watch you be great in those situations and you continue to increase. God, we need you desperately, desperately, desperately in this land. So we say, God, just have your way. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, church. Have a great day and, and uh, Lord bless you.